into the contest. It is Thursday, the 26th of May. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host, Shane Lee. And Shane, your Dragons had a, a good win last week over the Warriors. They're not going too badly. A couple of really good performances from young players. But uh, as we mentioned yesterday, our Afternoon Sport group is, is expanding. And we, we now have our own Dragons podcast. Tell me a bit more. Yeah, it's called the Dragon Cast, Tim. So I, as you know, am a great Dragons man myself. And uh, so yeah, all information around the Dragons, what they're doing, the players, what's happening behind the scenes, go to the Dragon Cast, listen to the boys. It's uh, it's really insightful, it's light-hearted. Stephen Ferris hosts the show, and um, he's uh, yeah, he's quirky and smart boy too and, and a passionate Dragons man, obviously. Yeah, but it's a really, really good listen. Check it out, Dragon Cast. Yeah, I'll look out for the Dragon Cast. And, of course, a mighty, mighty club, 11 premierships in a row through the fifties and sixties and celebrating a hundred years. They're doing it more this year than last year because of COVID, but uh, what a mighty club. All right. On the show today, Justin Langer and his clash with the cricket boss, John Millman. Could he be in some trouble at Wimbledon and Nico Hines controversy in the NRL. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Well, let's start with this Justin Langer story because he's clashed with the interim chairman of Cricket Australia, or he did clash with him, Richard Freudenstein. Uh, look, we knew that there were some things going in the in the background, didn't we? Yeah, we did, mate. And uh, it's pretty clear Justin Langer is not over. He's still upset and he's holding a grudge, uh, which he can do. I think that was probably one of the reasons why uh, he was eventually removed as coach of the Australian cricket team. But yeah, he's speaking at a function in Perth and didn't hold back saying how he was treated. And, um, you know, he had all... You know, past players standing up for him. He's clearly still bitter and hasn't come to terms with the fact that uh, he's been moved on. But I think you know Justin Langer is a very, very was a very, very good player. But uh, I think he did his time correctly, and it was time for him to move on with the Australian cricket team. Yeah, and uh, Matthew Wade in the Indian Premier League uh, finals time with the Gujarat Titans. Yeah, it's just huge for Matty Wade and, and Gujarat, the first team into the IPL final. Uh, watched this game last night. It was a fantastic game of cricket. Uh, Gujarat were chasing, I think it was 188 runs, and uh, Matty Wade batted three, scored a good 38, uh, came in, hit three or four fours quickly. Um, but it was David Miller, the South African, who ended up being man of the match and scored 68 runs off only 38 balls. Uh, they needed 16 runs off the last over, and he did it in three balls. He hit three massive sixes in a row. They all went close to 100 metres. Um, so they're straight into the finals now. They'll either play Glenn Maxwell's Bangalore or Marcus Stoinis's, uh Lucknow Super Giants. So you will see come uh, IPL final, there'll be an Aussie in each side, whether it'll be uh, Maxwell or Stoinis. 
taking on Matty Wade. Good luck to the boys. Yeah, I've been to all those places. Luck now, I know you have as well. Um, such a massive country, India. And when you think about the amount of places that they play cricket in, I think there's 33 or 34 international venues alone. Now, Bangladesh, uh, what about this scorecard? I've seen some quirky sp- scorecards, particularly in junior cricket where you see someone get nine for one or, you know, you see eight ducks in a row. But this, you know, 145 year first. Yeah, 145 year first, as you said, Tim. Uh, six ducks were scored in two centuries. Bangladesh went on to score 365. Now, the next highest score when six ducks have been scored in a, in a test match over the last 145 years is only 152 by India, the lowest being 90 by New Zealand. So, yeah, an amazing scorecard. Six ducks, two centuries, and they still managed 365. Um, so definitely if you got in there, <laughs> you had to make the most of it. Interesting in the world of tennis, of course, this whole Wimbledon drama kicks down the road, doesn't it? And Australian John Millman's got in the middle of it somehow. I don't know whether this is very judicious of him to start sort of making comments in and around the political process of why the Russians and the Belarusians weren't allowed to play. Uh, if I was him, I'd just stick to my Prince racket and hit the ball. Yeah, but he has been elected um, on the Players' Council. So as a senior player on tour, uh, he's been elected by his fellow peers to represent the players. And he's basically saying that as a player uh, on the player Council, he wasn't consulted at all. Um, and pretty much he said that the Russian and Belarus players themselves weren't even offered the chance to sign an anti-war declaration. So it's uh, he's basically saying that this happened so quickly and they just decided to move without consultation of the players and uh, that's why he's saying you know, the, the approach by them has not been the correct one. Yeah, difficult one when things are happening quickly, and I, I can see, I can see the other side of the story. I really can how they need to be harsh and quick, and and all that other stuff. Um, there's a similarity between tennis and the world game because they both get paid stacks of money, Shane. Um, that's why that's why lots of parents are giving their kids tennis rackets and got them out with private soccer lessons at the age of three. What about all this coin? Six hundred and seventy million just slushing around, and and it's sparking a transfer frenzy in the world of big time soccer um this is interesting yeah and this is uh when i, I was just hoping that my son thomas who's not a bad little soccer player was a little bit older and i was his manager with all this cash floating around but yet yeah, three big clubs in particular spurs um the spurs owner has pumped in 264 million dollars into the coffers uh while chelsea's owner has pumped in 353 million uh, so there's only half a billion dollars there straight away there's going to be a lot of players in this transfer period that will move around now with this sort of cash floating around. A couple of French defenders in particular uh, sort of on the top of these key uh, clubs' lists. And, uh, yeah, as I said, you'll see some player movement, that's oh, for sure. It's, it's extraordinary when they break down figures, you know, $137,000 a, a day and all this other sort of stuff for these top players. Uh, stay with us because we're going to talk AFL, NRL and much more. Damien Hardwick at Richmond, well, he's had his dramas. Uh, the team not kicking along like they were a few years ago. And they've got some problems right across their administration and their playing roster. Uh, he he fears for the long-term future of Kane Lambert. 
Yeah, and rightly so. Kane Lambert, a three-time premiership player with Richmond, uh, is carrying a, a serious injury with his hip. He will need a hip replacement at the end of this season. And basically, I think once you have that, that will um, draw a curtain on his career. Uh, the coach Hardwick is saying that you know, if Kane Lambert can just every game he plays this year is, an, is a pretty much a bonus if he can get through. He's in severe pain, and uh, as I said, come the end of the season, maybe he'll have that surgery, and it's pretty hard to come back from a hip replacement when you play AFL. Yeah, and look, they've they've looked okay without being brilliant this year, haven't they, Richmond? But they are still sitting in seventh there or thereabouts. Melbourne out in front by a long way, but uh, it, it's reasonably congested from you know second down to about. 10th so um, yeah they're not out of it that's for sure um, the mighty Richmond footy club now in the NRL this Nico Hines story is a bit unsavory isn't it heading into the indigenous round yeah a little bit um, he's sort of saying there's been players that have intimated that um, he's not indigenous he's not dark enough stupid sort of rumours floating around and he said uh, he's very very proud of his indigenous heritage and in fact he wants the next generation of young indigenous kids to be feel proud of who they are and where they come from. And he said at the age of seven in high school, when he embraced his own heritage, he said he never walked taller in a school. He walked 10 foot taller when he walked through those school gates. And uh, so good on him. He's sending a really, really positive message to the next generation of not only uh, young Indigenous kids, but young footballers. Yeah, good on him. And, and hopefully breaking down some of those misconceptions because it's, it is ridiculous when people say, oh, you're not this, you're not Doug. And a lot of people come up to me. My mother was born in Lebanon. They say, how can you be Lebanese? Tim Gilbert. I said, don't you have a mother with a maiden name? And like, no, you sort of people, people have this perception that a certain individual is going to look a certain way and it's just not the case. So uh, good luck to him. He's playing some great football. He really has uh, revolutionized um, part of the game for the Cronulla Sharks and they're right up there. That's a cracking game this weekend. Again, against the Roosters. Now, Canelo Alvarez, um, this will be uh, some kind of boxing bout, won't it, against Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, Golovkin and Alvarez have fought three times in the past in the super middleweight category. Um, they're due to fight again September 17. They go head-to-head. Look, these two have shared in the past 24 rounds together. Uh, the first time they fought over five years ago, it ended in a very close draw. The last time Alvarez just... Um, pipped Golovkin um, in, a, in a very, very close fight. And, they, and they're tipping that this next fight is going to be an absolute cracker and it'll go all the way. What about Lewis Hamilton? You almost need a little bit of the Pink Panther music. The, the, you, the players have been fined in the past for having a little bit of a peekaboo at the back of or the front of uh, opposition cars. And uh, look, I think he's been cleared, but it was an interesting uh, snapshot, wasn't it, when he was hovering around the Red Bull machine? Yeah, it was an area called, and, and excuse my French here, but Puck for May, I think it's pronounced, uh, where only officials are allowed to uh, uh, be and... He snuck in that area and went up close to his old Red Bull car and was looking at the back of it. He's probably trying to see what designs they've got there. Um, now, he's been cleared of any wrongdoing, but he should not have been in that area. It's very, very, very cheeky of him. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, uh, I think a few years ago, the perception was that he can never be beaten. This guy's in a car that is... Uh, extraordinary, and he's just a cut above, but uh, he has definitely come back to the field. All right, buddy. Um, now, Justin Langer, we mentioned at the start, but just quickly, do you, do you think he... Uh, look, personally, I think the decision to give Andrew McDonald the job was the right one. I think Justin Langer had done his time. I think he was that Churchill leader, got us through. You, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. He, look, he did a good job at the time, um, but when you lose control of the change room like he did, 
and lost sort of the respect of the players, it was time for him to move on. And it was unfortunate he didn't want to do it, but uh, yeah, definitely time for him to move on. You went to the academy with him and played with him. A little Justin Langer story to finish with today? Yeah, well, this sort of sums up Justin Langer. He's always a little angry fella, uh, particularly with his cricket. And I remember Rod Marsh being the head coach down there in Adelaide, and Justin had played, I think, one or two tests at that stage and was assistant coach. Warney came down for a spin bowling week, the, the late, great Shane Warne. And um, he was bowling to Justin Langer, and he's saying to Justin Langer, you can't hit a cover drive. And Warney said, I'm going to bowl about 30 balls in a row right in your cover drive sweet spot, Justin. And I bet you drinks all night, you cannot hit one cover drive. And sure enough, Warney put every ball in the exact right spot. Langer, frustrated, played and missed. The ball spun back through the gate a number of times. He didn't hit one cover drive. And Warney said, mate, I could have put my house in the line. You are not good enough for that. Now, to Justin Langer's credit, uh, many years later, he turned. He ended up, didn't have a great cover drive, but he scored 20 test centuries. So I think he had the last laugh. But, uh, yeah, Warney, an absolute genius. And uh, Justin Langer, very, very frustrated that day. Oh, Shane Keith Warren, what a player. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, our wonderful sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Absolutely. And, of course, our brilliant producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.